0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of the PragaPort Top 5 podcast. As you can see, we have some amazing guests here. Uh, one with a mask covered, uh, Mr. Mike Portnoy and Neil Morris. Jeff Bailey. <laughs>
1: hey. hey, Roy,
2: did you call me Mark Portnoy?
1: Mark Portnoy. Uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to take this. <laughs> well, Beatles mask on display is the Beatles mask.
0: There you go. That, hey, that's hey. pretty great.
1: I told Mike, I was, I was asking my wife to look for a Beatles shirt. She couldn't find one. I said, come on, man. I got to have something on. Mike's going to be rigged
0: up. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our uh, Beatles paraphernalia somewhere. Uh, and Mike's the, Mike's the king of that. Yeah. But anyway, um, we thought that it would be a great time to do a Beatles top five. We've been trying to do something like this for a long time. We're all humongous Beatles fans. And uh, every Prague fan loves the Beatles in some form or another. So uh, why not? We all have some downtime staying home, uh, keeping away from the coronavirus. So it uh, seemed like a good time. But first, before we do that, let's uh, let's touch base on all the stuff you guys have going on. No two artists have been busier on this planet during this period than the two of you guys. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Um, you had the cover to cover that just came out, the new uh, the new one, version three, and then uh, the, the anthology, which is out now, so everybody can get that, which is great. Neil, you have Sola Gr- Gratia, or solo yes. grazia uh mm-hmm. coming out september, 20th, september 11th S- september 11th sorry and yeah, yeah. uh okay. coming out this friday on the waterfall app uh yeah. august 28th and mm. then you have the flying colors live release that's coming out i think september 18th um right
2: and more stuff coming up and we're still working on transatlantic too transatlantic so got, is in nuts. the
0: works uh and then mike you are on john petrucci's new record and you're putting out a ton of stuff online so Let's just, let's just find out a, a little bit about what's going on before we jump into the top five. Uh, first thing I want to ask, Neil, just let's talk about the new record, um, okay. inspiration behind it, you know, writing it. Uh, was it because of all this downtime that you sort of pursued it now? Did that play
1: into it at all? Well, I had started it, it started in my mind in January uh, because uh, one of the, one of my motivations was I had talked to Mike, right around that time or maybe even earlier michael remember he'll remember the exact date that we um but we had been talking about what we could do for morse fest and it was looking very certainly like it wasn't going to be tried to make, which is what i what we had hoped but it wasn't going to work out and this is before COVID or any of that and um and so i started thinking well what can we do you know we were talking about different things And then I started to get, I was on this vacation in uh, Australia and New Zealand and I started to get inspired and started writing this, you know, getting a lot of musical ideas. And also I remembered that uh, several people had mentioned that I might want to do an epic concept album about the Apostle Paul. So I started to get inspired when I was down there in New Zealand particularly. And I came home and started putting it together and that's when COVID really hit, in the middle of writing. But somehow, in spite of all that, you know, I still, I still was thinking that maybe Mike was going to be able to fly here, you know. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it was the first album that we've done virtually. I sent him the stuff, and I sent the stuff to Randy in April, and then uh, Rich started mixing in May, and now the record's coming out September 11th.
0: Fantastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm really happy with it. It's great. I missed, I missed having everybody together though.
2: <laughs> I, I missed
1: uh, you, I really First do.
2: time, I mean, of all, you know, Neil and I have done 20, 20 something albums together, you know, uh, studio albums, and this is the first time we recorded uh, separately. First time ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was kind of weird, but you know, yeah, kind of know. Weird, but
1: yeah, it came out really good. And that yeah. was my, of course, that's the main concern. You know, it's like, and it was, it was different. I haven't just made all the decisions in a long time uh. <laughs> you get used to like really leaning on people and so yeah i was just like is this good enough no i don't think it is cut put in <laughs> another thing like is that better
2: yes i think so yes okay let's go you know it was, it was uh quite a challenge but you know it, was, uh, it, was but better. it, it, it must have be. also been a nice relief to not have to sell and pitch everything and dispute and argue you know we don't right. it's not arguing but it's creative you know back and forth it must have been nice to not have that for the first time in a long time too
1: when, when does that ever
2: happen <laughs> yeah it's, it's, i mean i just woke up to, to you know a million emails with it happening you know it, it right. happens with everything it still goes on you know you yeah. can you can go on about every thing you know about the artwork and everything right?
3: yeah, yeah. But, well, there, there's, a fun, there's a fun question then. What, what do you think would have been different about the album had it been done in the traditional
1: way? That is a good question. Man, I don't know. I actually threw it out there. I wanted to, like, try to have a Zoom meeting with Mike and Randy, you know, because it was really me and Mike and Randy that did a lot of the shaping on my earlier uh, concept albums. And so uh, I, was, I was kind of trying to do that virtually, but they both just said, no, I think it's great. I'll just play to it. It's awesome. So you know,
2: There yeah. were I mean, in all fairness, uh some of those earlier solo albums of yours, you know, we worked together on a lot. Like one, we shaped, we reshaped, it, a lot of reshaping. But then there was other albums like uh you, you know, uh, solo or whatever, Chris question mark. There was a lot of that where that was just you and Randy and I were like, Hey, it's great, let's just do it. I think, you know, we would throw in our two cents here and there because we were in the room together. I think if we were doing this album yeah. at your place, we inevitably would have probably talked about some stuff. But given the nature of this, with all with all doing it remotely because of the the lockdown, it was like you sent your demos with you playing everything, and every, everything you played was great. Even the drum, your drums were great, and you even kept one of them. But uh, there was a uh, you're very but it was like this is great. Let's just go for it. There's there's no need for us to force input if it's not needed, you know.
0: I, I do have I do have one more question about it, Mike. For, from your perspective, always you know listening to these ideas and demos as they come from album to album, you know, from Neil, and you hear a song like, for me, it's Overflow, which I think is just amazing and and uh, and seemingly sincere, obviously, which is tremendous. When you hear demos like that and songs like that come in, do you ever have just like a man, he's he, another one, like, just, like, how does he keep turning this stuff out?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I've been having that sensation for over 20 years now, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm Neil's biggest fan, well, maybe, you know, maybe tied with you guys, perhaps, but I'm definitely up there with you guys, you know, so aside from working together and writing together and playing together and collaborating together, when I hear Neil's demos, I mean, Neil will send in, like, a, you know, oh, yeah. He's like, I just woke up with this idea and then he'll send it. And it's a 45 minutes epic song you know, <laughs> that he just wrote, you know, in his sleep. So, yeah, so it's, it's amazing. amazing. I, 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 yeah.
0: yeah. So, uh, again, He's actually, when this when when we're airing this, actually, it will be available on the waterfall app uh, by oh, the right. time this airs. And then. Right. So what's the what's the domain, uh, Jeff, for that?
3: Oh, Waterfall <laughs> Waterfall Street. Street. it's waterfallstreaming.com. Water oh. Waterfallstreaming.com. Yeah.
0: And then yeah. uh, again, officially out on uh, everywhere else, uh, September 11th. Um, so yeah. you can get that. Mike, I want to jump in and ask you real quick for everybody that's been under a rock that doesn't know you are on John Petrucci's new solo record, Terminal Velocity, um, which uh, will also be out Friday, August 28th, out by now on all streaming and, and physical on October 30th. Um, real quick. I mean, just what was it like working on that and and recording that and everything that that's come with that? I mean, it's pretty pretty cool for everybody to see.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, well, for starters, when John called me and asked me if I would do it, it was uh, it was a real honor. It was real exciting to uh, think about us doing something together again. And uh, so, yeah, first of all, I was honored and flattered. And then, uh, you know, once we got to it. It was uh, it was an amazing experience, you know, musically and uh, personally, you know, it was great to be reconnecting with him. You know, we, our history goes back to when we were teenagers, you know, and, uh, you know, we spent 25 years together, joined at the hip. So, uh, you know, it's it's almost weirder to not have been doing that for the past 10 years. Yeah. So unlike unlike Neil's uh, latest solo album, uh, we didn't do my drums remotely for John's album. I actually went to Long Island. And spent the week with him uh, recording and hanging and, you know, so it was great in that respect as well, you know, it wasn't like some sort of quarantine album, you know, it was great that I right. went there and we spent the week together, uh, you know, not only going through the music and the parts, but also hanging and, you know, living together for a week. So, uh it was great to have that as well. So, but what can I say? I mean, it's it's an amazing album. Um, you know, I, I think John should be really, really proud of uh, what he wrote and played. His playing is phenomenal, and uh, I got to do my thing. And you know, it's just a monumental album for both of us, really, on a on a personal level, just because you know of our history together. And it was just nice to finally reconnect and and make some music together.
0: Yeah, for sure, it's uh, it's pretty great. Everybody definitely check that out. So. I mean, I mean, look at the amount of music that's coming out and and uh, you got the flying colors live uh, live in London. That's September 18th. Um, What can we say about that, that that people need to know? I mean, uh, there's some live footage already online, some videos. It looks amazing. Sounds amazing. Um, And it has Morse Fest from last year on there, too, uh, which people can watch
2: i actually just uh got the product the flying colors live product a few days ago and and uh, mascot asked me to do like an unboxing of the uh oh it's right here uh, oh i haven't seen it yet oh this cool. is the, the oh, yearbook wow. nice. your yeah yeah and uh so i just did a whole unboxing video so and i actually went into the my home theater and watched the blu-ray and everything it was great so yeah it's it's a great great package people are going to love it and you know, pretty much like every time all the Flying Colors tours, we've only, we're only able to hit like, you know, a dozen markets. So this is a chance for people that, that didn't get to see it live to actually experience the whole thing. And um, and it, it, we thought we'd have one more show after that. But, uh, you know, it was what we were supposed to play on Cruise to, Cruise to the Edge for the last show. But right. Uh, right. as of now, the, the London show ended up being it. So uh, that's the last Flying Colors show. And until who knows when. And and on there, there's the bonus footage from um, the Morse Fest appearance. So you're kind of getting the first show of the tour and the last show of the tour, both on the package. And it's, Do you, and it's really um great.
0: I mean, it's it's impossible to know, obviously, for many reasons, but if things were sort of normal and and, and without what's going on in the world and, and different cycles and stuff, I mean, could you see where there would be a, a fourth album sometime in the future? Is that is the band still something that would be a... a Oh yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not a, yeah, it's an on, it's an ongoing band, you know, it's just kind of part time because of all of our schedules, but yeah, we absolutely hope to do more for sure. Love
0: it. Yeah, man. That band's awesome. It's great. And
2: there's, and there's great chemistry. You know, it's, uh, it's just all great guys. We all get along and it's, it's a good time. It's good vibes, you know? So yeah, I think we all would love to continue as long as we can.
1: Yeah, I, even, I, I had even mentioned the possibility since, uh, because of COVID, um, Steve doesn't have a zillion gigs, right. you know, uh, the possibility <laughs> of just getting it together to write, even though it seems, you know, it'd be kind of uh, soon for us, but, you know, I'm, it, you have the opportunity, you know.
2: It, it just came to me, like, the fourth album, it could have been COVID, and then the I and the V... <laughs> but it, it's too bad it's not our sixth album. Because if it was our sixth <laughs> album, it would be C-O and then V-I in a different color and then D. Uh, but Well, I don't know. We might be in lockdown until our sixth album. You, yeah, there anyway. might be it enough time. Be. Yeah, you it know? could be. My port <laughs> ladies
1: and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> that was essential. That's great.
3: <laughs> well, actually, because on this, um, this moving swiftly to morse fest which is the sixth morse fest isn't it oh
2: wow actually,
3: we miss we missed that trick for that totally. yeah. <laughs> and called it morse fest 2020 or yeah. anyway it is isn't it 14 yeah 15, 16, 14, 16 17 14. 18 19 that no, was yeah. seventh actually uh seven? seventh. Oh well anyway morse fest is a matter of weeks away yes um you've got the covers night coming up. How are things set for that?
1: Oh, really, really exciting. I, I can't wait to play. I, mean, I just can't wait to play anyway. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> totally. Yeah. But uh,
2: it's gonna be really fun the more I dive into this stuff. I, yeah. I've been I've been pushing to do a covers night at Morsefest for years. I've I, I always push for it. Every time like it's time to start talking about you know what you're gonna do. I've been pushing for it for years. So kind of doing the cover to cover album. And then because of the situation that we're in, it mm-hmm. lent, itself, lent itself perfectly to finally having a covers night.
0: You did a voting yeah. uh, thing online for fans to pick which songs. Is, were, that turned out pretty well from what I hear, but were you surprised by some of the choices Did it, did it was it different than maybe what you thought?
2: Well, don't Neil, don't, don't disclose. Yeah. But,
0: don't, don't spill the beans.
2: But well, I, I'll, I will say the one that came in number one, I kind of kind of expected it and it was a clear runaway like by far uh unanimous you know first choice mm. for the fans but uh I don't know Neil t- did you like the fan vote oh yeah sure you
1: know I wasn't particularly surprised but I don't think there was anything on there that was like oh whoa um no it was it was about what I expected you know um from the progressive rock community, right? Okay, <laughs> there's
0: a clue. Um, and how are people still able to, uh, you know, I guess you, it's going to be online and streaming for people that can't make it. So is that still available, and people can still purchase to, to do to do that?
1: Yeah, yeah, everything's still available. Even uh, in person, if you know uh, people feel brave enough to come, we've got a big space. We can social distance. We'll have masks and all that stuff. So. Come on, be a part.
0: Hey, it's an opportunity if you're nearby. <laughs> so that's uh, all available on uh, ratingrecords.com, NeilMorse.com. Yeah, we have
1: we have actually have special Morsefest masks. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. There you go.
0: So uh, I mean, a lot going on, and then I guess you guys will get a much deserved break after all of this stuff. I hope. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, but let's go ahead and and, and dive into this um normally we play clips not we've never done it on video at top five so this will be interesting but i normally put in some music clips and stuff I'm, we're going to skip the clips for this mostly because i don't want to get sued by the beatles and uh and we everybody knows all the songs anyway so
2: use yellow water customer oh yeah yeah <laughs> but i, I want to point out like jeff's got the pepper background and roy's got the abbey road background but i'm noticing they changed the license plate on the volkswagen well, this
0: is not the uh, official. Yeah. If you see, it's not with them uh, there. It's sort of uh, a recreation. I but then they
2: put they put a, a they put a Volkswagen. A Volkswagen. There. But they <laughs> yeah. they they have the wrong license plate. It's supposed to be twenty eight F. F. Yeah, yeah. So. Did you notice when uh, when me and and uh, <laughs> Jeff Scott Soto and Bumblefoot did that version of Because and we recreated the cover, uh, we changed the license plate to 50, 59F, nine F. I think it was i didn't because yeah yeah because it's oh no no wait 70 79 if because it's 50 years later well f- i don't know <laughs> I don't <remember.
0: laughs> but the whole thing was
2: it was 50 years later so we changed the license plate to match the uh the the, the modern cover but anyhow i digest <laughs> wow. so um all right Mark, so look let's
0: let's go ahead and get started and we'll we'll give uh mike why don't you go uh with your number five pickle we'll start with you
2: well, I have to start by saying this is uh, an impossible exercise. This is this really is. This yeah. is absolutely impossible. It, 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 this whatever this list that I'm going to give today is today's list. You, we did this tomorrow, it would be a different list. I mean, this is it's absolutely impossible to not only pick five, but then to put them in an order. I mean, this is crazy.
1: Yeah, so uh, many good songs. so many.
2: But I, I I have something here which represents today. And and looking at it, I'm shocked to see how how um, how weighted it is in one particular Beatles. Um, it, it, it really, this whole list is almost one guy's list. Huh. Uh, so yeah, so I guess we can get into looking at what the final results are like a little further down in the conversation. But I'll start by saying, it was impossible. It's but here it is. Okay, so my number five. Uh, is In My Life by John Lennon. Um, okay. I wanted to go with something mid period. I mean, I love the Rubber Soul album. Uh, you know, I could have picked anything off of Rubber Soul, and there's so many great choices. But for some reason, In My Life was the first time that John showed that introspective, kind of poetic side. And it was coming out on Rubber Soul. You know, he also had Girl. Um, uh, but then again, he had "Run for Your Life" as well. So who the hell knows? Yeah, but right. but in my in my yeah in in my life and "Run for Your Life" <laughs> on the same. Album. <laughs> but in my life, to me, was always just such a, a, a beautiful song. It was actually one of the songs played at mine and Marlene's uh, in our wedding video, um, and I, I love the drumming. I love Ringo's groove there and the harpsichord flavors by from George Martin. So uh, you know, that's one of. 50 songs I could have picked but that just happens to be my number 5 at this moment.
0: Yeah, great song. And and oh,
2: yeah.
0: It could be on on any number of, of lists. It's it's an all-time classic. Um
2: Can I comment?
1: Yeah, please. Yeah. Um there's a couple of things that I think are amusing about what you just said. One of them is the, you know, Lennon had such a darkness to him. You know, like and that's one of the things I really I mean, it sounds weird to say, but I that Really adds such an interesting flavor to the song. Like you mentioned, the song Girl, you know, the last verse is so creepy. Will she understand <laughs> it when he's dead? You're like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh God. And then run for your life because you're going to be dead. I'm going to, right, kill yeah. you, you know. Uh, and then in my life is so nice. But, you know, as, as a married man for many years, it strikes me as amusing. I always say, uh, to like you know, I, we were listening to that recently. I think with my daughter, and it was like, but of and I'm like, but of all the lovers he's had, uh. he likes you <laughs> <Right. laughs> But of all these lovers, you know, because the music, they're very honest. You know, well, some, earlier some the day she moves attracts me like no other lover. Like I've got so many. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and this was also the same album where he wrote Norwegian Wood, which is about an affair he had with the right. uh, you know, so yeah. But I I love I love that dichotomy of John. I mean, you know, you listen to like the Plastic Ono Band or the Imagine albums. You have stuff like Mother and Love, Oh My Love for the First Time, and then you have like Give Me Some Truth and How Do You Sleep, and then and and God, you know, like I you know, God is a concept that which we measure our, by which we measure our pain. So he was so. He could be so jaded and cynical and dark, but he could also be, he's the same guy that wrote Give Peace a Chance and Imagine, you know? Yeah. Right. And and one thing about the girl, I I, I didn't realize this till recently, he wrote girl, you know, in his 20s. And then on his last album, Double Fantasy, he wrote woman, you know, and it's it's pretty amazing that, you know, think about his songs, girl, woman, love, mother, God, you know, like he, he just covered it all, really. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah I, but what a thing it's speaking of that song girl i mean who
1: would ever if somebody came to you and said okay here's the chorus of this song girl, girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is that and yet and okay. yet we all sing along <laughs> exactly the way it is in right. the car well it's really finished. all
1: about it's really all about the
2: melody of the of the verse for me yeah. You were
1: told when she was young the pain
2: would lead to pleasure. Yeah, yeah. How are we talking about Girl, though? The the, the song choice was in my life. I don't know. But this is what's going to happen. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. Girl is on
1: his list. Oh, that's such a great song. And and you're absolutely right about the George Martin bringing in the, the classical element. Of that, I, that harpsichord solo is just so good.
0: Um, all right, so... Song. Uh, 45 minutes later where we've talked about <laughs> in my life. One show uh, one guy. Uh, Neil, what's your number five?
1: Well, I, I decided to go by categories because I, I couldn't... Um, and I wanted to go for things that were maybe a little more unusual, you know, not all just the hits and things. Um, there's something that I don't think people usually talk about, which is the early dumb songs. Like the dumb ones, you know? <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah,
1: you know, those, <laughs> those Imagine sort of I
2: I love. Love,
1: and, you know, the ones like the, you know, the head boppers, <laughs> bop tops, you know, and I love those songs. Uh, you know, there I was like four years old. Those are some of my favorite songs when I was a little kid. And uh, so I decided to go with uh, the, my first category is the dumb early dumb song. <laughs> and I, I, chose, I chose Thank You, Girl. That's a good one. That's a great one, right? Because you got the harmonica opening, and then here's another. Here's another thought. You're the producer, and the guys come in. Hey, we got this new song. Here's here's the start of it. And then just go, ow. Ow. I can't even do it with a straight face. you." That's it starts. I mean, I don't know. I love it, and it's got the nice, you know, two-part harmonies, but. That's one of the ones that always just makes me feel good and i really like the the uh the early there's a lot of uh early you know kind of silly song mr moon Ride, and you know but i just love those songs
0: great
2: no that's that's a great way, way to go um I, I love that there's a whole dumb song category for yeah you. <laughs> and and, they, and it never lets out even when they're going into the more psychedelics if you look at the white album half of the white album is you know honey pie wild honey pie uh you know, I mean, there's, there's no shortage of kind of silly, kind of silly love songs, but you know, there's no shortage of them. Or even like, you know, let it be is filled with, you know, dig it and uh, Maggie Mae. And, you know, so they, they always had them on every album. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of silly songs. And and, uh, Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they
0: they were one of a handful of bands that, uh maybe they were the, the ones that led this but they had no boundaries and no they didn't care what any particular album had they would throw in you know octopus's garden on abbey road or whatever it just didn't yeah. it didn't matter um all right so jeff uh you're number five
3: okay I, i'm i'm feeling a bit out of place in this photo so i'm just gonna uh yeah okay oh there
0: you go get, nice get timing. Ready. very good
3: uh, he's got, right. he's got, oh, wow, he's got There we go. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we just...
0: Oh, wow. I think came, really to do this, we, we, need,
3: we, need, we need the full works. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's oh, my God. We're, <laughs> Beetle, Beetle Jeff uh, is Bravo, ready. man, um, that's awesome. And man. I'm glad my Wi-Fi stood up to, to do that. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to start with album one, track one. Um, I saw her standing there. And I suppose thinking about it, you know, these guys started off their career, you know, playing rock and roll standards and, you know, at 19, which is what they were when they wrote that song, you know, they wrote a song that is one of those standards today, which is just amazing when when you think about that, you know, particularly in a world where bands and singers didn't really write their own songs at that time. And these are two guys in the front room of, of, Uh, mccartney's house as i understand one's left-handed one's right-handed they're sitting like a mirror image of each other and they come up with um you know with this uh with this brilliant song that's just a classic and you know they tell the story of it that you know um mccartney had written i think she was just 17 never been a beauty queen and he went oh i don't like that yeah you know what what could we make it you know she was just seventeen. You know what I mean. Well, what 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 does it mean? But everybody <laughs> knew what it meant. <laughs> and uh, and and then they did the you know to make it. They, they put the count in at the start to make it sound live. I'm sure Mike probably knows this, but the count ins from a different take than the actual track. Mm. Oh, I didn't know so that. The, the take that they used is the very very first take that they did. But the count ins like from take eight or something like that. Um, so I thought, and it's also the last song that John Lennon played live um, oh, wow. when he when he went on stage with Elton in yeah. like 1974 or something like that. Um, that so that's an I amazing think it,
0: bit of trivia right there.
3: Yeah. So uh, so I, I I think you know what 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 a classic song you know. Nice. It's funny
2: for for you that's the first song in the first album, but we as Americans, <laughs> our first album was was. Meet the Beatles, which was a variation yeah. of With the Beatles, which was their second album. So our first song for, was um, uh, "I Want to Hold Your Hand," and I saw her standing there. Was the second okay. song? Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, and then for a lot of us too, the, the With the Beatles was, uh, you know, it, the the chronology, the chronology is is different for so many people through the world. But it's kind of be re, been rewritten now in the digital age. I think the the UK versions are now the you know the the ultimate ones that everyone refers to yeah that's what people say but i
1: re- recently because i i did that i went you know i thought oh you know later on of course i you know i had all the i grew up on all the american versions of course um and then i got like the japanese set or something they, they was supposed to be the most pristine vinyl this was in the 80s i think and you know I, th- I you know I recently bought like the original American Beatles second album, and I, I think I like it better. I don't think it's just <laughs> nostalgia.
2: Well, it has all. All those versions have the singles. Like we grew up with second album, uh, something new, Beatles sixty five, Beatles six, yesterday and today, Hey Jude, and those have all the singles. So that that's where you're going to get like Paperback writer and we can work it out mixed in. You know with the the. the you know, the, yeah. those are the, the versions that we grew up with in the '60s and '70s until CDs came out. Yeah, I can't have,
0: imagine well, a record company back then or or today rather being like, yeah, that hey Jude, just leave it off an album, it's fine. Yeah. don't don't worry. Or about yeah, it. see what it was. Albums Strawberry Fields, albums, and
3: Penny Lane, and yeah. But albums didn't. Albums. Uh, my understanding about the UK was that albums didn't sell per, as mu- as anywhere near as much as singles. And so that was why they, they, they sort of put all the best stuff in singles and singles kind of most other things on albums.
2: One more thought on Jeff's pick. Uh, I l- you mentioned the count off, the, uh, you know, you drop the needle and there's the one, two, three, four count off. Uh, and then I guess what, five or six albums later with Revolver, it's like, OK, suddenly now we're this is we're now this is the new Beatles. And then you hear the beginning of Taxman. What? two with all the sound effects and the warbling and everything. It's like, kind of like taking the, the way the first album began. And then here we are now entering the psychedelic age of 66 and okay, this is, this is now, this is our count off. You know, it's interesting.
3: Can, can you see my notes?
2: <laughs> oh, it did,
3: oh, it's in, okay.
0: <laughs> well, also ironically, your get up and, and picking that song which was you know i had to bring it in at some point i don't take this Uh, all right i'll jump in with
3: (laughs) i thought you were gonna leave it on
0: uh go ahead all right I'll, i'll jump in with my number five and i'm also my my normal listening of the beatles is always the last few records that's that's really my favorite stuff i like the early early stuff but not nearly as much as as once you start with revolver on um but one particular song and i wanted to give a nod to the early records and Oddly enough, it's really strange for me to pick this song, but one of my all-time favorites is She Loves You hmm. um, from 63. I just think uh, it's so unique. I, I mean, it's a silly pop song, but the chord structures the in the harmonies and just that last note and the ending and you know, the weird harmony thing that they do when it closes out, it's so original still, even, even in a, a dumb pop song like that. And it gets me every time. It's like like goosebumps when you hear that odd note. I can't imagine how they thought of that and put it together. Um, and the twist on, uh, I guess, their hits prior to that were all personal love songs. And this was one that they were writing from the first time of like looking at other people and, and sort of switching it around, which was original back then for, for a song. Um, and uh, just an amazing song. I think maybe their second number one in the States, if I'm right uh but yeah just that that's one that always sticks out for me when i listen to among all the other the later records i just always really like yeah, that. yeah that's and a great it gets, it gets
2: reprised at the end of all you need is love as well
0: yes right? yeah, yeah many things i've been in yeah
1: in, uh, cool in, thing.
2: in jeff emmerich's book the engineer uh, i don't know if you've
1: read his book uh, No, I haven't. You're there and everywhere. but he talks about they cut that song the day that Abbey Road Studios was overrun by young girls. Like they found out the Beatles were gonna be in the studio. They didn't have any security or anything. And so like all the the engineers in their, you know, white shirts and ties had to try to get all these girls. It was just a real high energy day. He he thinks that that added to the energy of
2: that track. When I Uh, think of that, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Neil. Oh, I
1: just wanted to say that I don't think that goes under the dumb category because it's just so good and it's uh, and that minor four chord the, the uh, because she loves you and you know it can't be bad six minor because she loves you right. four minor very inventive. you know you should be glad to the five the five major that's just really very inventive stuff yeah right? for I
0: mean for sure and that's what sticks out it's it's just so original in the way they were able to write in that little two and a half minutes, it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. think
2: about 1963, most bands were all doing one, four, fives, you know, and it was pretty stock blues, you know, 12 bar blues stuff. And I think those early albums, you were hearing Lennon and McCartney, you know, in writing with different chord progressions and inversions and things like, and harmonies that had never ever happened up until that point, yeah. you know, they were pretty much rewriting the, the, the rule books of songwriting at that point.
3: Yeah. And not because they were massively trained musicians, just because you get the feeling that it's like, oh, look, you know, when you put the, the wrong <laughs> finger somewhere in a chord and they go, oh, well, where can we use that? You know, they didn't know that it was, I don't think they knew that it was kind of all the technical names for it. They just found stuff that sounded good. And then they did the same in production, which was there was no book. They just went and did stuff. And if it sounded good, they
1: used it, you know. Well, I'm sure, you know, like during their time in Hamburg, they were learning all kinds of different kinds of songs. You know, mm-hmm. if you're learning, uh, you know, some of the early Motown stuff and you're learning, you know, some of these show tunes and things, I mm-hmm. heard that they, they were picking up, you know, just like everybody does, you're picking up like little ideas and things. Oh, you could go here, you know, from all that. I mean, because they were more than just rhythm and blues. Yeah. At that, yeah. you know, even in Hamburg, I think they were doing, you know, some stuff that was, uh, you know, had had some portal in interesting, you know, portal. Structure. They were into
2: skiffle. What what is skiffle? They were really into the whole skiffle.
1: Skiffle, mm-hmm. skiffle is yeah, is
3: uh, acoustic music really with with uh, people playing washboards and uh, yeah. It was my dad my dad okay. was big big into skiffle. <laughs> Hey, there's the money. Neil's, Neil's met my dad. He knows what my dad's like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's jump back. Mike, you're number four.
2: Uh, once again, this is an impossible thing, but um, I'm going with another John song for my number four. And it's the tender John, again, uh, Dear Prudence. I think it's um, just just such a beautiful, beautifully written song. Second song on the White Album. Uh, Paul on drums on this one. And I love the drumming in that third verse uh, with all the, the, the Tom so fills yeah. in it. Oh, it's amazing. And it's Paul. But yeah, but, you know, I just love this song. I, um, it was one of the ones that was written in India when they were there. And I think it was written for uh, Mia Farrow's sister. Um, but uh, it's just so beautiful. And uh, uh, yeah, what more can I say? I love it.
0: The bass playing yeah. on that song, to me, oh, is yeah, just yeah, yeah, as good as he
2: ever did. The second, favorite. the second verse, yeah, just so cool. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. to me, that's yeah. that is them almost doing like a prog song, really. I mean, the the different parts in that song and the the guitar, the guitar lick that George is doing, and it's just awesome. One of my favorites.
1: It's an interesting idea to to fade it in and fade it out. Also, you know, kind of. Mm-hmm. drifts in and then i love the way they hit that chord and they put the echo flux all over it i think won't you come out to play, 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 play. Ding, which is the solo guitar and, yeah. and it just kind of fades out you know it's totally cool it reminds me of uh john's famous saying like do you think ringo's the best drummer in the world i don't even think he's the best drummer in the beat
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think i think that's an,
3: an apocryphal one, but, um, but what it might, well, as a drummer, well, I mean, Ringo's obviously a big, one of your influences, but there is this thing about, Oh, Ringo's not a very good drummer. What's the, what's the, what's the comment to that from a, from a drummer?
2: No, no. I mean, I can go on all day about Ringo. First of all, uh, there's so many levels to why he was so great and so important. First of all, he was such an important character. Yeah. Up until that point, there was never a drummer that had, gotten like the spotlight, like he did. The Beatles came out and it was like four Elvises, you know, and and suddenly now the drummer was just as known or popular as any of the guys in the band. But that aside, his drumming, I mean, it's so tasty and it's not necessarily what he played, it's what he didn't play. Like, you know, I mentioned in my life earlier that that drum pop on, or Ticket to Ride, or Penny Lane, I mean, this minimal drumming, but it was so perfect. But he also... He played with power, you know. You just mentioned "She Loves You." Uh, I remember seeing the footage of them playing, like on their first U.S. tour, in, like Washington D.C. with the, the the riser spinning around, and that riser is shaking. He is, <laughs> he's really rocking out. And then there's songs like. Um, like she's a woman where he's doing that, you know, he's got that shuffle going with his right hand. Yeah. So I give him a lot of credit. And then also he's a lefty drummer. So a lot of his fill he played, he was a lefty drummer playing a righty kit. So a lot of his fills were um, sticked backwards, which was very unique. So when you listen to like the fills and like A Day in the Life or some of the stuff on Abbey Road, I mean, it was just very unique and tasty tasty but the fact of the matter is he was the first guy that was doing any of this stuff you know uh no other drummers had this kind of personality in the in their drumming uh, at, up until mm. that point so i give him all the credit in the world for uh not only being one of the most influential drummers but being technically a great drummer he really is he was at, for those times nobody played drums like that and then sure enough then came the keith moons and the ginger bakers and the mitch mitchells but Ringo was really the first drum star in rock. You know, you had Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa before that. But in terms of rock and roll, Ringo was the first drum hero. Well,
0: and and he he had songwriting influence on, on the songs. His drums are parts. They weren't yeah, just absolutely. in the background. Yeah. They're significant to how you remember the song, and that is that was rare, for yeah. for what someone could do. So I I think he's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Neil, Peace you're number. And love. You're number four.
1: Ooh, my number four. What category is this one? Well, this this category is going. You got to go for early pop, you know. Uh, and there's so again, like Mike said, it's impossible. There's some. I mean, I went. I was on that cruise in Australia, and they had they had uh, the Australian Beatles uh, <laughs> for one of the shows, and they did. I, mean, I realized they did a whole hour show with everybody singing along. And they only went up to like 1965. You know, I mean, there's so many great early songs, but I had to go with eight days a week. I was I was looking for one that had the killer bridge. You know, they have that period in their early pop where they're just, the middle eights are just so great. And the songs are great too, but I just love those two-part vocal middle eights that Mike and I have talked about a lot of different times. Totally. Like, oh, uh, I'm a loser has a great one. Uh, no babies. reply. No reply. Babies in black. All these different ones. The middle eights. with the, the two parts. Oh, this, this, from... this boy. The middle eight of this boy. Oh yeah, that's great. Oh. But I particularly like the middle eights where they do these interesting harmony splits. You know, they go from a, you know, third to a fourth to a fifth, and you know, it's uh, that. That's what I really loved about their harmonies thing, and I love the way that works out in the bridge, particularly of eight days a week, but uh that that's a one that's one that i think just has uh great energy and it's kind of a quintessential song.
0: yeah i love the opening and uh, and mccartney was opening his shows a couple years back with that he stuck that in as the opening song which is which is a great way to kick it off um nice good choice uh all right jeff you're four
3: okay number four back to john um and yeah i've chosen help um lots so much you could say about it um but but a a song where you know it's a song of desperation and i think he originally wrote it as a slow song but they said no you speed it up so you've got this great kind of poppy beat with someone saying you know help you know i need somebody (laughs) not just anybody Uh, you know a, a cry you know a real cry for help probably from them at the time where they were at this incredible unprecedented level of attention and all that kind of stuff that probably hadn't happened for music stars before and these were still relatively young guys um and there's so much love about it there's actually no bridge in in this one there's no turnaround there's no middle eight there's no anything like that it's just you know chorus at the end and the other the other thing that when i was listening through songs and thinking you know quirky things it's very unusual for the backing vocal line to become mm. before the main line. And there's that little right. thing, you know, I and love it, that.
2: You know, uh, yeah, I,
3: I, I go, you know, you would, you know, it'd be amazing to be a fly on the wall to decide, you know, how, how did that come about or how did they do that? But again, just this amazing creativity. and um, yeah, so a, a melancholy lyric, um, that actually ended up being a real hit
2: single, and uh, yeah, the title which uh, track the which movie, movie do well. you guys
0: like better, Help or uh, Hard Days Night?
2: Hard Days Night for me. Uh, help for me. I, I actually help is so just really I just rewatched Help um, a month or two ago, uh, and I was I realized I, we were me and Melody watched it, and I was. Re- it was like the first four songs were all john this is like this is john's prime i think cuz it yeah. op- the first the first song in the in the movie was help then came you got to hide your love away you're going to lose that girl ticket to ride i mean john was firing on all cylinders during that period and it wasn't until uh you know jo- uh, george had i need you and paul had um uh the night before but up until like the night before in the movie, it was the John show every so, it was song mm-hmm. after song after song were John's yeah. and he was just it really in his prime in that period.
1: Yeah, yeah I around, that rep-
2: period, around that period, that's when he became my
1: favorite Beatle. I was a Paul guy early on, you know, when your kids, you know, you, you choose sides. I remember at school. We would have fights with groups of people like this is in America Like <laughs> who was better, the Stone, the you know, the Beatles or the Stones? Right. You know, like I was thinking about that.
2: How <laughs> weird is that? In American schools, people would be having these fights. Not they big, still they still do. Is that right? <laughs> oh, the Beatles and Stones is still a giant like you know, a giant uh, you know battle between the two of them you know those fans you're a stones guy or you're Beatles guy yeah
0: it is that there's a divide for some reason which is between those two bands
2: so Um, anyway i was a paul guy but around the Help period
1: man i was fully
0: yeah awesome okay i'll jump in uh so my number four um yeah i'm gonna jump a lot uh 67 sergeant pepper i'm gonna go with the title the title track sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band which you know kudos jeff on the Here. on the garb uh yeah i just love uh love the riff love the the, the horn section the, the breakdown the whole the thing th- it's the just three-part harmony
2: three-part harmony on that is so great
0: it's so original the the whole concept i mean for you know can't even forget about that but they just took such a leap uh going into the album and it it's just a, a, a tremendous way to kick off that album but jeff and i were talking before we started this i mean that's just one song that I felt like choosing for this list that I, I just really like that, that riff and it's memorable to me, but I could have picked, you know, lovely Rita from this album and put it in my top. I mean, it's just any song could have been in my top five from this album. Except within uh, you
1: and without you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. That is a skipper for me. I'm sorry to say. Yeah. But, I um, love,
2: uh, well, I love the love version of that where it combines within without you and tomorrow never knows that's yeah, that version yeah. is actually really, really cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Actually the love, uh, love, uh, the whole thing is just really cool way to listen to it. I like the, um, at the end of love when they go from where they extend the little bit of, of, uh, Hey Jude and they bridge mm. it with the reprise of Sergeant Pepper. You know mm. what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. That's just amazing.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, oh, it has the, uh, the, the na-na-na's going, yeah. and then it's like going, and then suddenly the drums come in for the, the rep- drums kick in Pepper reprise. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, and I, I actually wish, I, I wish when if when Paul tours, I just feel like it'd be the coolest thing to open the show with I think this he, song. I think he has. I don't I think, think he so. Has. He always plays the reprise in the encore, which is great. But how cool would it be to just come out and just play this first? I just think it would be I, so cool. I
2: could be, I could be wrong but I think he had on, on one tour. I recall him opening with it, but I guess it, it yeah. was, it was November 8th. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, my, Mike, I won't argue with you. You're probably right. But, uh, I, yeah, I just think that would be great. Uh, yeah. all right. So, uh, moving on, uh, Mike back to you, You're number three.
2: Oh, it's another John. And wow, I yeah. already, and I already had a John from the white album. It's another white album. John happiness is a warm gun. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the Beatles did a lot of firsts, and I think this might be considered one of the first kind of prog songs as well. Uh, You had like little bits and pieces um, that made the song up, a lot of odd time signatures in this one. Um, And it's always been a favorite of mine. Uh, You know, once again, it's, it's cynical, John. Uh, but I just loved that it was so different. It was very, very... And, you know, the White Album has a lot of firsts. You know, Helter Skelter could be looked at as, like, one of the first heavy metal songs. But I think Happiness is a Warm Gun, and in a lot of ways was a little bit of a, a more progressive song for them.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, and what moments are in that song... Uh, what that
1: chord, that chord and the tones of the guitar, you know, when it comes down, like, saw, da, 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 in there and he's in a velvet hand like a like lizard a window. On the wind of pain. You know, it's, boy, everything's so cutting. You yeah. know, it's like, mm. I, I love the way they, I think I think that some of the best mixes are the wide open. Yeah, you know, the yeah, to- yeah. The tone of the snare drum, you know, everything's so clear and, you know, just cutting through the speakers, man. It
0: seems like such a long period that by the time they got to the White Album, but it's five years from She Loves You to the White Album, which is insane.
2: Yeah, totally. Incredible. Hey, we never did uh, Happiness is a Warm Gun with Yellow Matter Custard, so I I originally never put it on the set list because uh, maybe people don't know this, but Dream Theater covered Happiness is a Warm Gun with uh, Steve Hogarth from Marillion joining us. And oh, we wow. never released it, but we did it at that uh, Uncovered Sh- Ronnie Scott Show in 95. Oh, wow. Uh, but we never released it. So if we ever do another Yellow Matter Custard, I really want to get Happiness is a Warm Gun into the set list for sure. I'm in.
1: <laughs> Good,
0: do it.
2: <laughs> oh, hey, awesome. Roy, I, I wanted to say something about this Sgt. Pepper
1: album. Have we got, has anybody ever noticed or has it been ever talked about how many one note melodies there are on that album? I mean, uh-huh. I love one.
2: Lucy, discuss- the first verse of Lucy is, is pretty much, right? Yes,
1: yeah, cellophane flowers of yellow and green, you know, it was 20 years ago today, so uh. da, 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 da. and even, uh, huh. it's wonderful to be here, it's certainly a thrill, you're mm. such a lovely audience. It's so many <laughs> yeah. one-note melodies. Like, no,
0: I never noticed that, but yeah, they're to- totally
1: right. I mean, they totally work. It's, it's great, but I'm... I, I don't know i think about that sometimes when i'm writing like you know it's okay just to you don't have to move around a lot if right it's, it's the right lyric you know one of the things is like about sergeant peppers i mean just the, the lyric is so married. you know it was 20 years ago today It just sergeant pepper taught the band the way it just rolls off man it's just it's uh absolute yeah. magic <laughs> yeah. well neil uh you're up number three Oh, number three. This might be kind of a surprise. I wanted to choose a Paul, and I wanted to choose a mid, uh, you know, a mid-era Paul. And I love, and I think one of the best vocals he did too was on "The Night Before."
0: Oh, I love that song, and it almost made my list. So that's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that yeah. bridge, the minor five bridge, you know, and it, makes me wanna cry. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what
2: a vocal, and then George sounds so great on the back of Oh, oh. My, oh. <laughs> the, the yellow matter acoustic version is just, oh, my name is George. Oh, yeah. my name. Is George. I always had this. Fa- I have this
1: fantasy that George is the, always like saying his name and you know singing in the third person in songs, and so it's a fun thing to sort of throw in. Uh, you
0: know. That song I always thought was weird because the opening first few seconds, um, the, you know, it sort of sounds like one thing. And then when Paul starts singing, it almost becomes completely different. And the melody that he's singing is so great. It just changes the song completely right there. Well,
2: even the, if think about it, it's like a pretty rocking song. Yeah. And then the, but then uh, the bridge is like kind of like a bossa nova. Yeah. Last night is the night I will remember. You know, it's yeah. very, very...
0: Goes
1: through that's a, lot a of great pick. Songs. Yeah, that's a great song. Love that one. Every time, and every time I hear that song, I I always think to myself, man, I wish I could sing like that. <laughs> <laughs> right from the beginning, we said oh, goodbyes. Yeah, what a killer book. It's a great thing.
0: Uh, uh, Jeff, your three.
3: Okay, uh, my three needs the moustache on because uh, it's one by one by this guy uh, here. Okay. Got to get a George song in, and um, and Mike has already referred to the one two. Kick off to tax man at the start of revolver um love the revolver album uh what can i say about this well first thing i've written down is could you imagine today if neil morse or mike portnoy put it out at an album where the first track was them complaining about how much tax they had to pay you <laughs> know <laughs> could you imagine could yeah. you imagine the music the music press um <laughs> you know, it would just be incredible, but, uh, but the Beatles did. And again, it was, a, it was a era of very punitive taxes. And as an accountant, you know, that kind of resonates with me. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> and, you know, again, a total, we were talking about the different styles, you know, it's a total James Brown, you know, Motown vibe, you know, what the drums and bass are doing that's totally tight. It's soul music, um, you know, and it's got a guitar solo and, again the the you know the guitar player lead guitarist of the beatles writes a song and he lets the other guy play the guitar solo on it you know because it's mccartney who plays that solo um and it's like it's got that big octave jump in it and um, it's got all the indian influence and and what they did was McCartney did that in one take and then he tried something for the solo at the end and they couldn't get anything better. So they just copied it and stuck it on the end. Yeah. The original version enough.
2: doesn't, doesn't go reprise the guitar solo.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I just think it's a absolutely fantastic song, um, a brilliant song to start an album and George, you know, making his mark. Well, I think um, it's great one, to, in that as opposed time
0: to being away. where they could have had, I mean, I'm sure that there was egos, but, for them to let him open the album with that song is pretty remarkable, really.
2: And it was the first album with with three George songs. He had Taxman, um, uh, what is it, Love You Too, and uh, I Want to Tell You. So he got yeah. three three songs on the album and opened the album. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I only have one thing to say, which is, heavy metal drummer rails against American taxes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah that's, there would be a headline for sure.
1: And Mike would say, I'm off social media, that's it. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, uh, okay, I'll jump in. Uh, Mike, you referred to this one for a second. Uh, I'm going to go with the White Album and Helter Skelter. Um, a great metal song, as metal as this band ever got, and uh, really early influence on metal. I mean, this song rocks, and it... And, um, how cool. I mean, McCartney basically just wrote this to prove he could. Right. I mean, that was sort of he heard a Who song was, and said, oh, yeah. I can do that. And then, I mean, that's yeah, just, Townsend
2: said that it, that I could see for miles. Townsend was bragging that it was like the heaviest, most gnarly song ever. And then Paul wrote this apparently yeah. in, in response to that.
0: I mean, such a competitive fire that drove them no matter what song, what they were working on. And, uh, and it's great. And just um, his, his screaming and the energy behind it and live, it just still kicks ass. I mean, that song is just awesome. It's been covered by so many people. Um, uh, From Motley Crue
2: to U2. You too. U2.
0: You too, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, just a tremendous favorite that I always felt like I, I love the White Album and it's, it's maybe in my top two Beatles albums, but I always felt like they could have just that song itself, is missing from disc one for me, from, you know, from the first album. Uh, it would, it works there. And then that thing would be just perfect. Cause that's the one song I really, really love on the second, on the second LP. That's
2: hmm. no, funny that you, you think of it in terms of sides or di- do you think of it in terms of CDs? Cause I mean, I think of it in terms of sides. To me, the yeah, White Album now, is four, yeah. four albums. No, really. now
0: it's sort of in my head as, you know, disc one, disc two, but yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. From a songwriting
1: perspective, I often think about what it would be like if you heard somebody bring this, you know, if somebody brought the song to a session with a band. And, I, and I, I think it's great that I love songs that have like one line or one phrase choruses. You know, it's really hard to do. You wouldn't really know that. But if you try to write songs, and there's a lot of really great songs that are just like the chorus is just one line that you do over like. Yeah. You know, like, hell to skelter, hell to skelter. But then it comes to the end three times, hell to skelter, and just, yeah. <laughs> right? I might, as a producer, I might have thought, hey, you know, you, you want to add? You want to say, say, say something?
0: something else, maybe? Mix
1: it up? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I what about, in that very first,
3: ver- I, I don't know, forgive me because I'm not as musical as some of you guys, but that first verse where he kind of goes, Tell me, tell me, tell me, come on, tell me the answer, which is totally, you know, not, you would expect it not to go on that extra time, you know, they go, you know, what, I, want, I always wonder, you know, was that just like a mistake that they left in or did he intend to do that or, you know, it's I don't know lots it sounds of things like, like that uh, that natural that to unusual. me
0: there, yeah. I don't know. I think they were just let loose, right? It's got to be that he was just singing it and it just
2: works. Yeah. In his, in his little Richard kind of, you know, screaming way. i I find it interesting the the end fade the way because they already did it with sergeant pep uh with um strawberry fields strawberry fields had a fade out and then a fade back in Mm -hmm. and then here they are doing it again in helter skelter uh kind of paul's response but the the mono version fades out and doesn't come back in so the version that we know you know is the stereo version that where it comes out and comes back in but the original mono version is really different and it also it has the rubber ducky in the middle of the mono version right before the guitar yep. solo so yeah I, this is one of those songs where the mix is distinctively different between the, the mono and the stereo versions That's i a- actually i think it's even a half step i think even the key is different on this between the mono and the stereo version
3: really
2: yeah i didn't know that yeah me neither again what 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 a
3: you know think of another band where there are books on websites about the differences between the mono and the stereo and right. the capital and the EMI, I mean, you know, like what other band in the world is that, you know, and we talked about the Beatles and the Stones. Nobody cares about that stuff for the Rolling Stones. Right. Like, From any Stones
2: other band really. That, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I was, uh, I took uh here, there, and everywhere on this camping trip I was on for like a month, you know, and I was reading it going, Man, how many bands would I even care to know the real intimate details of how they recorded each song, you know? But I mean, to me, it's always really interesting. I learn things.
2: Oh, there's some amazing recording the Beatles books and, you know, yeah. the, the Beatles recording sessions. And yeah, it's fascinating. And it's unbelievable how, like, the, 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 the amount of stuff that was done in only like seven years. It's incredible. Yeah, they were literally really in the studio Every day, if they weren't playing live or making a movie or doing a TV show, they were in the studio. Literally, every day is accounted for between like sixty-two to to sixty-nine. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Fortunately, they yeah. couldn't after a while when they stopped touring. But that allowed for all of this stuff and the inventiveness, right? Had they been in today and being put on the road for two hundred dates a year, you know, who knows? Um, and I would like to
1: point out that McCartney wanted them to all. They, you know, they.
2: They started pretty early in the day. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't picture John being a morning guy. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. No, yeah, you should say. And also, it's reported they recorded till 2
1: a.m. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. All right, Mike, you're number two.
2: Well, finally, I, I give, uh, get a, give a little love to Paul, but he has to share it because it's a, a John and Paul combo. And, uh, you know, it's almost it's almost sacrilegious for me to not put this at number one, uh, because to me, it's probably the quintessential Beatles classic and uh, it's a day in the life. Uh, You know, the closer of Sergeant Pepper. Really, you don't get more epic than that. Um, But compositionally, you know, it's, it's half Paul, half John. Um, John's is obviously the, the the opening portion I read the news today and then they morphed they had the orchestra swell to lead to Paul's woke up got out of bed and then I've always wondered the the bridge the uh, I love that you would think that that's John singing but I've read a lot of people questioning that that it might actually be Paul I don't know whose signature that that connection is, but then it brings us back to John's part. And then of course the big, big orchestral climax at the end and the final chord. I mean, it was as epic as you get to close, uh, you know, the ultimate studio album of all time. And it was just, uh, it's just such a perfect song. The drum fills from Ringo on the second verse are so tasty. And, uh, it just really has everything that made that era of the Beatles. So, so great. And uh, just to quickly say, I mean, looking at my list here is I have all John so far in my life, Dear Prudence, Happiness and Warm Gun, yeah. Day in the Life. And this isn't like designed that way. I, I really don't want to take any credit away from, you know, the amazing songs that Paul and George contributed as well. And I, I, yeah. I almost feel guilty not having them on this list. But for some reason, when I made this list, I was just really good. And, and it's crazy that I think some of John's Greatest songs aren't even on this list, you know. Lucy and the Sky wow. with Diamonds, right. Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite, uh, Strawberry Fields. You know, none of them are on my personal list yet so far. Um, Mr. Moonlight, don't forget Mr. Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, A Day in the Life to me is
0: yeah. I, I mean, I think you were probably going to pick that one. one. That's the yeah. Who's going to argue with that? That's amazing.
3: Um, and again, when you listen to the anthology version of that, and they, like for the kind of the the build up to the to the pole bit. Well, when they recorded it, they didn't—they had no idea what they were going to do, so they just left a big blank space and had was it Mal Evans count the number Mal of bars, Evans, yeah. and then they went away and went right. You know, what will we do here? They said oh, we'll start get the instruments. You know, they said start on your lowest note and go right up to your highest note in however many bars it was, and that became the thing. And just that the creativity it, and like having the resources to be able to you know just do that. There's also
0: them uh, the recordings of where they're just hitting the last note. Right, that piano over yeah. and over again. <laughs> Just trying to get that one thing right, that last yeah. thing. That's funny. And it, was, did, it, was, it was also
2: genius that uh, Mal Evans is counting the bars, but then they, it ends with an alarm clock, which yeah. leads perfectly into Paul's lyric, woke up, got out of bed. It was perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that was an accident?
2: Yeah, I think the alarm was- clock was placed there to, to, to mark the 24th, yeah. the 24th bar or whatever it was, you know? Yeah, yeah. Really? That's right, yeah. Wow I never knew that
1: hey see I'm learning
2: more stuff today <laughs> I'm stuff
1: books. yes more books
0: okay all right uh, Neil you're number two uh,
1: yeah these aren't really in order by the way I did I wasn't thinking of it that way but I, I thought I needed to put uh, this category is late single and I thought as I thought about the late singles which are all great um, I chose uh, the single of uh, revolution uh, that version of revolution is just like, the man, the late Beatles high energy thing and I love the message you know when you talk about destruction but you know you can count me out man you know yeah we want to change things we don't want to like go around destroying stuff that's not the way and I'm just I'm just into I'm into the message and I'm into that track and uh, I just think from beginning to end it's
2: just killer. I say a funny thing about Revolution. Um, I've probably heard that song maybe 5,000 times in my lifetime, maybe more, I don't know. It wasn't until about last year that I realized that opening guitar thing is actually in triplets. I always... The first 10,000 times I heard this song, thought it was I thought it was 16th notes. I never realized it was So it, it, it was a, a weird, weird revelation I had recently where I, I actually felt the intro for what it was. <laughs> why, maybe somebody knows,
1: but why is that tone so weird and cool and the scream so weird and cool? It sounds like it's like oh they're overdriving the board or something it's yeah, not normal I think it is
3: something like that yeah yeah not, i think that's what it was yeah it's, it's not,
0: not really a, i mean early days of distortion right i mean they were just sort of that wasn't that, that common i guess maybe but it sounds like yeah,
2: right. yeah. do you guys do you guys know like the story of the different revolutions like they originally recorded revolution 1 which was the more bluesy thing. And then they did the Revolution, the single as we know it. But then they had a, they jammed on, um, they did, if you if you have the White Album box set, they do a, a jam of Revolution, which was take 18. It was Revolution One, but it was the, the 18th take. And that's where all the Revolution Nine stuff came from. A lot of the outtakes and the sound effects and things that got cut up and put into Revolution Nine came from an uh, an extended jam of the original revolution one so anyway there's a little a little history there between the you know the three revolutions i'm sure jeff, that they I'm sure put jeff
0: out. knew that
1: well <laughs> yeah, i learned cool. that cool off. facts cool facts yeah i learned that on the deconstructing the white album thing. yeah
2: great really, great series yeah. those are brilliant yeah those are really good yeah
3: uh all right jeff you're number two number two it's already been done and sometimes in these podcasts i change when stuff's already been done but i'm not going to because i want my number two was in my life as well um, i love rubber soul uk version um it's it, such a amazing complete album we've talked about in my life already and uh, i mean the things that i'd scribbled down lennon said about it you know it was my first my first piece of work where the words were more than just a sound you know and i think maybe he even wrote it as a poem originally maybe um, and uh, there's another brilliant thing that I was reading about it where, you know, McCartney said, yeah, yeah, I wrote, I wrote the melody for that on a Mellotron. And then Lennon's been quoted as saying, no, he didn't. He just added a few bits into what I'd written, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so the, the joy of that collaboration, but what, what, a, what a brilliant song. And again, one of those songs that, you know, it could be done and performed with an orchestra, it could be done and performed with an acoustic guitar, uh, this is w- one of the other things just we haven't really talked about it, but obviously you know, the Beatles catalog is, you know, it must be one of the most covered catalogs ever.
0: All right. So I'll jump in. My number two also was said before, and also by Mike, uh, I'm going to go dear prudence, uh, for my number two. Um, just always been a long time favorite. And we talked about it. I think all the, all the different parts in it are just standouts to me. Paul, you know, Paul's bass, the lyrics, the, The different sections the building guitar thing at the end just i i think it's outstanding it's it's uh it's uh, as good a a thing as there is on that album so uh so i got two from the white album uh back to back. yeah i'm going with that yeah so yeah uh, i love
1: love Honestly, make one little comment about dear prudence again uh something we didn't mention was how cool the alternate guitar beats are the parts are so cool that
0: I love that part. Great part in the last verse, and Paul's doing his fills, and it's just so so cool.
1: And there's that weird keyboard thing going on. (laughs) That's really weird. There's some really unusual keyboard things on that album. Like that weird, that like on while while my guitar gently weeps. There's that weird organ that's going. I
0: always felt like, I always felt like, particularly with the White Album. Uh, that's so. That's one album that sonically sounds the most current to me. It,
2: like, I, I really, I, I think Abbey Road to me is their most modern sounding production. I think that that set set the template for what '70s produced albums would sound like. Yeah, those, White yeah. Album. White Album to me was a lot more stripped down. I mean, after they cut, they came out of Sgt. Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour with you know Walrus and Lucy and all the psychedelic stuff. Right. White album was just like not even a year later, pulled it all away and right. But you could it down. come
0: out now with with that, like with uh, you know, back in USSR type sound. You know, just guitars and drums and.
2: You and know, you got to realize half always... those songs. Most of the songs on the White Album were written just on acoustic guitars when they yeah. were in India, so I think it felt so much more stripped down, but also very detached. It was almost like for solo um recording artists you know with the white album they sounded very detached to my ears at least and also
0: cool is is really i mean they kept breaking ground with even just the packaging of that you know at that time just the white album and all the pictures that came with it and the whole i mean everything they did during that period was just like this wasn't done before this wasn't done before this wasn't done before so very just awesome um okay well the big number ones let's see mike number one
2: well, I gotta. I'm. Che- I'm gonna cheat a little here, <laughs> and I think I'm allowed to. I'm gonna go with the Abbey Road side two medley, and I think I'm allowed <laughs> to is, count it this as is funny one
0: because song. you'll see. But yeah, <laughs> okay.
2: And I think I'm allowed to count it as one song because they just put, they put out the 50th anniversary version, and there's right. a version on there. They call it the long one. Yeah, as one 16 minute song. So being that the fact the fact that it's been there's a version of that that was really starting from You Never Give Me Your Money to the end of the end. I guess being they released it as one song on the on the anniversary, I can count it as one song. So that would be my number one pick because it's got everything in it. And uh, I, Neil and I have covered it twice. We, we covered it with Yellow Matter Custard, and then we also covered it with Transatlantic interspersed throughout Sweet Charlotte Pike. But to me, it's... Um, it's got a little bit of everything and, and I feel good. I can get some Paul in here. Cause, uh, you know, um, she ca- came it through the bathroom window and uh, you never give me your money. And obviously golden slumbers, all that stuff is so Paul, but then you got, you know, the mean Mr. Mustard and, uh, you know, uh, Oh, Polythene Pam, which was more Paul, but, I uh, don't oh, know, that's John. What am I saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, to me, it just has a little bit of everything in there and then ending with, uh, you know, Ringo's drum solo in the end. And then the three guys trading off the guitar leads and then climaxing with them singing the end and the big orchestral swell. I mean, you know, how do you get more of a better finale than that? And, uh, Agreed. So I, I, I mean, I'm going to cheat and, Call that as a single song and that would be my number one
0: do you have a favorite moment from that though if if if, if you had to break you know choose a breakup so break up part from
2: it like is there i mean like i said i mean there's so many great bits the golden golden slumbers is amazing yeah. i love um uh attic parley's gonna send me no, you know, you know, you know uh, what is, all of all no nowhere yeah. to go what is that's all uh you never give you know, me your money you never give me your money that's i love man. all yeah. that uh
0: I always thought it was weird on CD, though. Uh, I understand breaking up some of them, like You Never Give Me Your Money sort of could be its own song. Sun King can be its own song a little bit. Um, breaking up the end into its own song was always just, like, silly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that should have, that was, Golden Slumber's Carry That Way The End should have been one track always, yeah. right? Because you're never going to that- hear them separate.
2: It's weird that because isn't part of this because if you listen to side two Mm -hmm. of Abbey Road, it starts with here comes the sun, then you have because and then begins, um, you know, you never give me your money and Sun King and all that stuff. But also talking about favorite parts. I love the bridge on you never give me uh, your money. The and all that magic feeling, nowhere to go, and then the the big ah, the three part ahs and everything, which sounds so much kind of like because it's almost a very similar kind of a three part like uh, block as they did with because, but
0: yeah. And I kind of like all, the uh, so. the Her Majesty bit thrown in the middle there. It actually can, it does work if they if they had chosen to do
2: it. Well, we did that. You guys probably know we put it Her Majesty back into it when Yellow Matter Custard did did it. But at that time, not a lot of people knew that it originally was part of the medley. And I think oh, when right. Yelamata Custer did it, yeah. you know, we got to um, the end of uh, the end of Me and Mr. Musher, then we did the, Her Majesty, and everyone's like, oh, you're not gonna finish <laughs> the side? And then we come in with pam and, you know, kicked back in. And I like uh, that they, they, they put it back in on the, the, the 50th anniversary, you know, version with the right. long yeah, ones. Yeah. But that was really cool. No, it's very that, cool to hear you know, that. The backstory. All right. We'll and let course, it we'll let lot it lot slide. Of,
3: a, lot of, a lot of those were, you know, it was the leftovers from the from the let it be sessions. It was the songs where they had a verse and a chorus and nothing else that they did with it. And they you know, they brought it all together into something that was incredible, you know. It's, and I was reading
0: that like the reviews were were bad, right? When that album came out. It got sort of right. like ripped by a lot of people that it had okay. no direction or different things that right. I read and I imagine it's crazy. Um, all right, Neil, imagine. what's your number one?
1: Or well, I had the exact same thing as my number one. <laughs> uh, let's see how many of us have it. as the... <laughs> But I thought that I was going to get busted. I thought Mike <laughs> was going to bust me So no, 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 you can't do that, man. Mike the purist. So I, I'm surprised, but I I didn't know that it was released as one thing. It is kind of like, uh, the first real, for me, that's the first real froggy thing that yeah. i experienced as a youngster. And uh, <laughs> so I always were like that. So I, I did not actually, I, I, I have sick inside of Abbey Road, question mark, and because this is my category, late LP cut, um, you know, the later period in LP cut. And I thought and thought about it. And I thought, you know, I need to pick black, something simple, you know, McCartney, I've played Blackbird so many times for my kids. My kids know how to play Blackbird. Blackbird's been a real uh, part of my life, you know, in a special way. Yeah. I, I used to sing oh. it to my kids when they were crying in the night. I did it once. It worked once. <laughs> <laughs> I kept trying. But... So
2: Blackbird's going to be your number one?
1: Well, I mean, I wasn't thinking of it in terms oh, yeah. of numbers, really. But uh, So I'll just... I'll just leave it at that. I'll I'll just leave it at that.
2: I'll say an interesting thing about Blackbird, more more commentary on Paul. How many Beatles songs are just Paul? Like uh, Blackbird is just Paul. Yesterday is just Paul. Eleanor Rigby is just Paul. And I will. I will. will. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's kind of amazing how many songs in and yet it's it's um, credited to Lennon and McCartney. And yeah. I don't know if you guys know, but when he put out Wings across uh, Wings Over America, yeah. he switched the credit, because Blackbird and Yesterday are both on Wings Over America, he switched the credit to McCartney He's, he's done
0: that on a lot of uh, subsequent live albums. But, uh,
2: but Yoke, yeah. Yoko put the kibosh on it, Yeah, and he had to change it back. Yeah.
3: <laughs> on, on the
2: early albums, I saw her stand
3: there was also creditless McCartney Lennon, if you look up that one.
2: Really? Yeah, indeed. All right, oh, so another funny. another interesting category. There's two other categories we could have done: animal songs, <laughs> <laughs> and and girls' names. Think of all the girls' names: Rita, Martha, Lucy, Prudence, Michelle, Michelle. Michelle. Michelle right. Keep. I mean, there's probably a list of at least twenty or thirty songs. Rita. Yeah, it's amazing how many girl songs. Uh, P- Pam, Julia. Julia yeah, <laughs> Julia. Yeah. that's funny.
0: Uh, Jeff. All right, we're going
3: three for three on this? Okay. Or? No, 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 no. My my number one, I'm amazed nobody's mentioned it, but like everything, you know, so many choices. Um, it's gonna be Strawberry Fields Forever. Again, uh, you know, a, a, br- a brilliant story. Um, and you, you probably know the making of this, they had a whole number of different versions. Um, and they, he recorded it one way, he decided he didn't like it that way, they re-recorded it, but it was a slightly different key and it was a slightly different speed. But then they decided they liked the first half from one bit and the second half from another bit. They very speeded it and found that actually the tempo difference and the key difference exactly fitted. And, um, you know, uh, production-wise, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And, you know, the Mellotron, you've got um Harrison playing that the was it the swarm I think it's called from they talk about it a lot in those uh, deconstructing videos um and just you know the whole thing of the, the Liverpool theme um, the vision of a child you know someone who doesn't fit in um, and this kind of isolation within the theme of everything that was going on um you know there's there's just so much um you know, a recorded masterpiece really mm-hmm. um, um
0: you know uh, another groundbreaking studio, studio achievement by them at that time i mean
2: i mean that was really the first pepper track they, that was the first oh, yeah. song they recorded during the pepper sessions and it really set the tone of what was to come and uh, i'm yeah. glad it's on this list because to me lennon was i mean there's so much lennon in my list but i didn't mention the big psychedelic ones like strawberry fields i'm the walrus Mr. Kite, Lucy. I mean, that era for Lennon, uh, tomorrow never knows. I mean, like every one of them was a sonic masterpiece and, but strawberry Fields forever in particular really set the tone and uh, just kind of wrote a whole new rule book of what you could do in the studio.
0: Okay. So, um, my number one has always been, um, from Abbey road, golden slumbers, carry that weight into, into the end. It's just, Always my favorite, and then recently, like Mike said, when they came out with that box set and they released that long one, I was like, "Oh, this actually—it was always one sort of thing anyway." And so I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of in between. If forced, forced to pick one part, it would be the ending section. But uh, the whole side B medley is—it's just the greatest thing ever made. You know, <laughs> that's what I'll say about
1: it. You know, Roy, the only thing that's missing. Is every once in a while it needs to stop, and a guy needs to make an announcement. There's uh the, the uh <laughs> what are you talking
2: about?
1: I needs to make an announcement. Uh, we'll be having trivia in the schooner lounge. <laughs> uh,
2: is, this a, is, is that what was happening when we played it with Transatlantic on cruise? My, edge? Thank
1: God, Mike had his ears <laughs> in it and he didn't know what was happening on the cruise.
2: No. Oh, it happened a
0: lot uh, by the pool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, apparently by law, they could not turn it off. I, I, cause I begged them. I mean, during Casey's set, it was like. But oh.
0: oh, did was, you watch uh, him in the morning? He did it in the morning where he did an acoustic yeah. thing. And yeah, it,
1: was it was in was the that- middle of
0: every song. There was some yeah. announcement. It was just be brutal. Getting in
1: the vibe and then like, uh, if anybody ordered a double chubby <laughs> Chuck. <chubby.
2: laughs> <laughs> so for, <laughs> Forever, that when you listen to Abbey Road Medley, you're going to now picture the Cruise to the Edge announcements <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> ruined I'm it for so you. If you would have known, Mike, what was oh. happening, I think there would have been literal steam.
2: I had you no idea. What? I had no idea. But that was already tough enough when we were playing that set, because that set started like an hour and a half late, as it was. and I know. Very well. Yeah. Lots of comical. Lots of comical. What?
3: When, when you did the when you did the Abbey Road stuff with Transatlantic blended in with Sweet Charlotte Pike, didn't you also do a Mike did a Yoko Ono section yeah. in the middle, wasn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> in the
0: in the middle of that, right when you were doing the uh the Sweet Charlotte Pike thing, I was because it was running late. I had to go announce. I think it was Riverside at the at the theater, which is all the way on the other side oh, bottom God. of oh, right. the ship. So in the middle of it, I'm like, finish this finished the uh, summer and I'm like all right I'll be right back I ran I got up there and they're like oh no it's okay you don't need to do it I'm like okay and I, <laughs> I ran back <laughs> and I made it and I made it to the end of that song and then watched the rest of the thing but that's my I mean, that's sure. my life on the ship because of introducing bands it's like running like a madman back and forth
2: me and Neil can relate because that's what we're usually doing with the performances as well yeah but uh, for people that, I mean, people probably know that Sweet Charlotte Pike, the reason we intertwined it with Transatlantic cause Sweet Charlotte Pike was kind of written in the same way that they did Side 2 of Abbey Road. We had a lot of bits and pieces and we decided, you know, let's do an Abbey Road and let's, you know, kind of make one piece out of all these little pieces. And then even the song title, um, Charlotte Pike was the name of the, street where the studio we recorded the transatlantic uh, bridge across forever album ah, okay. on so right. there, you could actually this if you're driving uh, throughout franklin tennessee you could see the charlotte pike exit mm-hmm. but that's how we got the name sweet charlotte pike it was kind of even uh, you know a tribute to the abbey road uh, side too well
3: i'll t- i'll tell you a story that mike probably doesn't know that is the very the very first time the very first words mike that you spoke to me were related to abbey road Oh. Um, I it, which was on the day of the transatlantic the world tour in shepherd's bush and i was meeting neil and i walked past you and you just point i was wearing an abbey road shirt and you pointed at my shirt and went it's very interesting you should be wearing that shirt and then kept walking <laughs> <laughs> and, and i said to neil later on oh mike walked past me and he just stopped and pointed at my shirt and said it's very interesting you should be wearing that shirt and walked on and do you remember why it was very interesting? I was wearing that shirt. Well,
2: you, was this on the whirlwind tour? Or this, or the, the whirlwind bridge? tour? Yeah, yeah, the oh, whirlwind tour. If it would have been the Bridge Across Forever tour, that would have made sense because we were doing it during Sweet Charlotte Pike. But I, I don't know why I would have said that during whirlwind. I
3: think I think Neil said, Neil said I think you said to me, Neil, that you had hoped on that day in London to get to Abbey Road to, to kind of recreate the cover for the live album.
2: Uh, uh,
3: but, but run out of time <laughs> uh,
0: out. There you go. <laughs> makes sense
2: yeah I didn't remember that yeah.
0: well guys listen, this, was, uh, hey, this did, was a lot I need of to fun
2: clar- I need to clarify something because it's going to make me nuts that if I don't correct it Okay. I, to- I mentioned Helter Skelter being a half step out earlier on the mono version I think I'm wrong I think it was don't pass me by so I just wanted to get that out there for the purists that are going <laughs> to blast me in the comments. Well, so the, the,
0: the person that just typed that under in the comments is now
1: erasing.
2: I can, I can see the headlines, Mike. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Heavy metal drummer rails against Beatles. So-called Be-
2: so-called Beatles expert. Right.
3: <laughs> Self-proclaimed.
2: <laughs> and I, I assume everybody out there has seen mine and Neil's na- Beatles name that tune together. But if yes. you haven't, you got to look that up on. YouTube. Please oh, the don't. one you
0: did with Melody, too, which was a, a man. I can't oh, believe see, how good she was I was trying to forget on that,
2: that one. Melody killed, <laughs> she killed
0: me. You. She wiped the floor with <laughs> me.
1: Yeah, what in the world? Yeah. <laughs> that was unexpected. It was. The Portnoy synapses. See, it's not that you don't know the song. It's just that the the, the time from the thought to the mouth. That's the name <laughs> of the game. That's the name of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Melody. Whoa. <laughs> I well, want to remix. Guys.
0: Thank you so much. This was always fun. It's always great to talk to you and and, and laugh and especially to do uh the Beatles thing. I mean, I this is awesome. This is so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of fun, man. And, uh, and you, Jeff, man. you too, man. Jeff, you too.
2: But I I, I got to say, I feel really, really like George was completely it, underrepresented.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, no. We
2: taxman. I
0: mean, taxman. Taxman.
2: But right. what about what about something? What about While My Guitar Gently Weaves? It's, it's almost... It's, 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 it's impo- impossible to do this list without like leaving out so many classics. I'm well, sorry, George.
3: He's with
0: us <laughs> in spirit. <laughs> we love George. We love, we love Ringo. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I mean, like we could do this 10 different times and come up totally. with 10 different lists and
1: yeah, yeah, um, sure. We could have a like favorite song of, you know, each or
0: right No yeah. categories. Maybe that sometimes we do, you know what? We could have done the four of us each picking one one member
2: that yeah. would have been
0: another way to do it to well the solo
2: it. albums i mean i just listened to tim heidecker uh favorite comedian of mine just did you know a podcast going through each album and then did the solo years as well i was honored to be able to do one of them with him but uh they also did the solo years it was a great great listen so if you're a beatles fan out there definitely worth checking out it been keeping me company during the quarantine but yeah the, there's so much great Beatles conversations out there and I'm just glad we we were able to have one here with with ourselves as well
0: yeah all right guys well congrats yeah. on all the records don't forget you have solo gratia coming out um the Mike Portnoy with uh, John Petrucci coming out you got Flying Colors Live Morse Fest cover to cover is has been out and you know six more albums before December probably on the way all right so yeah. Good night, everybody. We'll see you later. Good
2: night, guys. Now it's time to say good night. 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 Goodbye. Peace and love. Peace and love.
3: Peace and love.